We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a What's the best way to do a Villa post-match podcast? Talk about something else. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Alex Smith, the Black Man Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Look, uh, that game stunk, and so we're just going to act like there are other more interesting things to discuss. Okay, all kidding aside, we'll discuss it a little. We'll discuss some of it. But I think what we'll do is we'll use the game as a launching off point for discussing maybe some issues that Arteta will have to address as we go forward in our efforts to not finish 10th next season. Uh, Who knows? We could finish above 10th this season. We could finish 9th. Maybe, maybe we could finish above Burnley. Would be nice. But we could still win an FA Cup. So, (laughs) you know, that could be good. Neither Liverpool nor City can say that. Anyway, Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Hello, pause. Scott's on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crab. Hello, Scott. Yeehaw. Good to have you back, buddy. Thank you. Okay, uh, I will start with you since it's been a while. Scott, uh, this was obviously a pretty dire performance, um, and it's easy to be frustrated at, you know, shipping a goal, but I would argue that the problem here is not creating enough chances. Seven shots, none on target. It's a pretty disgusting way to play against the second-worst defense in the league, and I think Arteta has proven that he has created a way of playing using this very flawed group of players that can compete with the bigger clubs. I think the way we played against Chelsea under Arteta, the way we played against United, the way we played against City even uh, before going down to 10 men when Luis went off. I don't know that we played a ton better against Liverpool, maybe a bit, but we beat them, so I'm giving us credit there. Uh, Even the Spurs game, as disappointing as it was, I think we're the much better team. Like I think he's shown that we can do that, but 
you know, you look at the Birmingham result, you look at this result, you look at some of the results before the project restart against the smaller sides, and we don't necessarily know how to dominate possession, push defenses back, and create a lot of chances. So for you, what is the single biggest missing piece or flaw tactically that led to this performance and in general is causing uh, the problem that I uh, took a long time to outline? Yeah, that was that was quite the wordy question. I, um, I mean, so look, th- is this your first time around here? Come on. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I think I've noticed is that Arteta seems to be focusing on defense first and trying to get that more solidified. And I think that has overall been pretty successful. Um, you look at what Arsenal have done since he's taken over. Um, the defense really does seem to have righted ship some. Um, you know, we're, we're conceding a lot less shots, um, especially from open play. Um, our set play defense is still a, a huge mess. And I think that's something that we need to, to get some more addressing. Maybe you know, it's something to, to look at over the offseason. But I think that's something that's been the, the biggest focus is let's, you know, fix that part. Because that was, you know, the, you know, if, in the overall tire fire that was Arsenal, that was probably, you know, the part that was getting the diesel, you know, poured onto it to make it even worse. Um, so I think that was something that was, you know, his first thing that he needed to address. And I think for the most part, that's been relatively successful. I think, you know, you look at um, the Villa match, they really only had one really good chance and it wasn't even the one that they scored from. Um, mm. Other than that, I thought Arsenal did well to kind of keep them at bay. You know, not that Villa are a, a great attacking team, but, you know, that's still something that, you know, we could have seen in the Emory era where, you know, Arsenal would have gone and conceded 15, 20 shots in a match like this sometimes. So at least at least that was better. So I think that I'm able to give him a little bit of a, a pass as he's he's working things, you know, from back to front. Um, I think the biggest problem is that there's just not a creative player. So we have our, our midfield that's it's just it's OK, but there really isn't anything to connect that midfield to final third. Um, especially when we dominate possession. I think that's something that's been missing for the last couple of years. Um, you know, Granite Xhaka has been trying to be given that role, but that's not really his, you know, kind of his strength. I think his is more of a, you know, the deeper player. And um, one of the things I've really kind of harped on is that I think that he kind of sets the ceiling for the midfield if he's going to be our, our best player. Um, you know, I saw a lot of people on Twitter really calling for him to come in at halftime and, oh, that would be the thing that will change the game. Well, he did come in at halftime and things didn't really change because I don't think that's really his strength. Um, so if we're going to play this, you know, three, four, three kind of thing, I think you need another, you know, kind of eight who can be more of that eight and a half who can push forward, who can be a creative hub for the team. Because uh, it seemed like there really wasn't a plan B besides let's get the ball out wide and try crosses. Mm. And with the way that Arsenal are set up, we don't have, you know, that focal target man who will be able to deal with that. Uh, that's not Lacazette. You know, he's a guy that, I, you know, I think he's done better, but he's been more of a let's drop deep and facilitate. Not a guy that, you know, Giroud where you can, you know, feed crosses into him and hopefully something good will happen. So I think that was probably mm. the the biggest tactical thing is that our really our, our plan A was let's get the ball out wide and try across. And that really didn't seem to work. Yeah, and I mean, you know, in most of these games, we've had Aubameyang on the left, and we don't really think of Aubameyang as a, as a provider, as a creator. I mean, he can do it a little, but it's not his strong suit. We don't think of him as much of a dribbler. Um, he becomes almost a second striker. You're looking to run him in behind on the weak side often. And, uh, you know, 
arrive in the box behind defenders to score, fine. But then on the other side, we had Nketiah, who's also not that. I mean, Nketiah, I think, is even more of a poacher than Aubameyang at some level because I don't know that he's technically as skillful. So the front three just had no real chance creation. I mean, maybe Lacazette was supposed to drop in, play false nine, and set those guys in behind. It never really materialized. Um, I think some of that is down to um, the performances we had on the outside. I mean, I don't think Cedric looked particularly great, and that is a, a transfer that I still think yeah, will be exempt. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, if we're, if we're going to, you know, kind of second-guess Arteta here, it was the, you know, the Eddie pick, because it's like this one really well, seemed Nelson like Well, Nelson was injured, it. right? Yeah. And maybe yeah. he wanted to get some rest for Pepe, and, uh, you know, I mean, you 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 kind of get to the point with this team squad, with the squad, Scott, where you say, who who would he have picked? Who should he have picked there? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's the hard part, but it's because we don't really have a guy outside of you know. I guess we wanted to rotate. We played a bunch of matches. Mm. This you know this one really isn't that important in the grand scheme of things. So, but yeah, I mean, if that's if you're gonna look at that, that was probably the pick that's like, huh, I don't really understand that one. But again, you look at the squad, and it's it, it, there's not really another option. Yeah, and look, I mean, he probably expected to get more from Saka, but he's still 18. He's not going to be consistent. I felt they keyed on him, which was easier to do because Kolasinac is a zero, and then Cedric, I, th- I think, was a real letdown. He had more opportunities. He just seemed to want to hammer it right into the first man every time he got it down the wing. I think that is a transfer we will be discussing again down the road. But, Paul, I mean, as we s- we'll sort of transition away from the game in- into the larger issues, but, you know, I think one of the players in this game, too, who just never really got a grip on the game was Torreira. He winds up only playing a half because I think he was a risk to get sent off, actually. Um, I think his Arsenal career has seen him moved around the pitch under multiple coaches and used sometimes sparingly, sometimes injured, sometimes as a 10, sometimes shielding the back four or back three. It's been a tough transition to life in England and, and football in England for Torreira. And to me, this performance was kind of the nadir for him in some ways. He looked really out of sorts. And um, I'm curious if you saw it the same way and if you wonder if maybe he's just going to wind up being a player who never really fit for us. Um, So I don't know about nadir in terms of his actual level at the moment, but it did show up why he's kind of a challenge for us in that um, he, apart from what he's good at, his ability to uh, kind of cover cover his area, uh, make it secure. Uh, he's good at winning back the ball and distributing. But that's his thing. Get the ball back, lay it off to the guy beside him. And so if the guy beside him is whoever, Granit Xhaka, then you know you're going to be sitting pretty deep all game. And uh, the, what surprised me about Torreira is I thought he had a better pass in him just from the background just from the fact that he has good skills and he he gets his head up and he's very aware but i, I kind of feel like he needs to kick up the arse uh and some good coaching to you i mean he is a clean passer he's a quick passer gets the ball off quickly i don't know why he isn't more aggressive in his passing we've seen him in his career with arsenal on a few occasions picking out a really good ball we've seen him used um up upfield as kind of an eight slash 10 uh chasing the game and pressing and he's i mean he's good in tight spaces he's you know he seems to have enough of the bits that you'd think he'd be a better player for us as a just straight out cm but if the other player sits deep as sabias tends to want to do 
or you know if if Tobias isn't trying to pull the strings from deeper then he's going to want to wander over to the the le- the left side of the box and kind of create t- triangles so um it, it you can be left in a situation in where you got Torreira sitting deep and Tobias sitting deep trying to string passes and it's not giving you enough you, it'd be beautiful to have a Vieira next to him where he can play passes. Well, yeah. He can, he can <laughs> drive agree. forward. Or a Vieira type. Does that even make any sense? Well, it's funny. We're doing or a, a Vieira podcast type. about Vieira later today, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it, whatever a Vieira type is, but basically somebody every bit as good as Vieira who can try. You know, you, we needed that eight in this team. We don't have any eights in our team. I, uh, I think we, Danny Ceballos should be that, but I think that he's really been, you know, you, you see him in over the last couple of matches, he's really just ran his legs off, and I think he's quite exhausted, so I don't know if he necessarily had that in this match. I more see him as, a, maybe, this gets into terminology, as a third central midfielder, um, and in a two-man midfield, Ceballos, unless the other guy is Superman, um I don't really see him as an up and down. He doesn't run into the box. He never, you know, he had one dribble in this game. That's not his game. His game is triangles outside around the edge of the box. And so I don't really see him as an eight. Um, He tends to like a little space. He's an accelerated play and he uses the ball by passing. He doesn't run. You know, probably the closest thing we would have to an eight is uh, Willock and you know that that's he lacks some of the the ball control and the passing to go with it, but that's the kind of athleticism, the ability to drive through a midfield, uh, that kind. Of, you know, Ramsey is a a beautiful archetype for what we peak Ramsey would be perfect here, maybe alongside a Torreira, but Torreira just doesn't add anything when the other guys, Sabias and and to maybe a similar extent Chaka. And I don't know why, because I think he has the skills. He, you know, he as a kid he was a a striker. So okay, he's not a striker today, but he should have that nous, that that eye, that creativity, that the instinct to make something happen. And he's just way too conservative. And I don't, I don't really know why, but it's been a pattern certainly this year with him. I don't, you know, see, I, I disagree with that. I think that Torreira. You know, that is definitely he'd maybe be a third option as a creative thing. I don't think he really has those creative passes in his locker so much. I mean, you know, maybe against really low quality teams and maybe against Villa, you'd expect him to be able to do more of that. But just looking at his stats, he's never really been a guy that accumulates progressive numbers or creating chances for other people. Um, he's definitely much more of a, an anchor man, you know, be and you made a good point there. He, I think a lot of our midfielders are best in a three where they have other support. Um, I think yeah. Terrera is a guy that shields the back four, um, not necessarily a guy that's in a double pivot who is asked to do a lot more of the creative actions. Yeah, you know, he's got the skills. Mm. He's clean. He's tidy. You know, he, he he can put the ball where he wants to. It's almost like he hasn't actually thought about just being the aggressive passer. It, it well, seems odd to me. Well, let me ask you this, Scott. I mean, Arteta seems to want to play the back three at least right now, and he's and he's been asked about it, and he said, this isn't necessarily the football I want to be playing. This is what I can do with the group I have. He's in a weird spot in a way, because I don't know if he has the center backs for a two. I don't think he has the midfielders for a two. Um, you know, So it's like, do you play a midfield three and then just go with a pretty scary center back pairing? 
it seems like he likes the way he can overload the wings where he probably feels he has more talent. I mean, Tierney and Aubameyang or, you know, Bellerin and, and Pepe and, you know, it gets him an extra player on who can create from wide spaces since he lacks creators in central spaces. Do you have a feeling, I mean, is, is that why you think he's sticking with this? And do you think that even if that makes sense conceptually that against these smaller teams, he's just got to, he's got to be a little more aggressive with the way he sets the team up and, and gets us playing. Yeah. And I think you saw that in the second half when he basically did the throw on all of the attackers kind of thing. And it really did show kind of the, you know, the weakness of this squad. There really isn't a lot of options. So it is something that is difficult for him as a manager that, you know, trying to mix and match with this team is quite difficult. So I I think this is still one of those things. Like, I don't think we can judge too much on, you know, what he wants to do. I think he's trying to make the best with what we have. And it's trying to, I think he's trying to solidify you know build a base you know don't concede too much you know maybe our superior talent on some of these attackers will be able to create something uh, it doesn't always come off yeah uh paul you have a thought on that no okay i think that's about right mm. <laughs> um so so then in your mind paul what's the single biggest thing that has to change next season to, to make games like this easier for us to dominate is it is it a system change or is only a change in personnel going to help um well, the two would be related, but he either needs to get that that individual creative player. I thought Jack Grealish, I'm never quite sure about Jack Grealish, quite what he is, but I thought he really showed up in this game. So that was kind of an intriguing juxtaposition of a type of a player who we could have really used in this game. But we, we either need that that kind of, that, that creative player and, and that's not necessarily Jack Grealish, but the the next coming of uh, let's go with Dennis Bergkamp um, as opposed to Mesut Ozil. I, I guess you can some hybrid between those two guys would be very nice, and maybe a bit of Patrick Vieira in there. But um, that creative player, that fulcrum, the Kevin De Bruyne of your team, but there's very few of them out there and available. That's probably all of your budget, and some we don't have. Um, or something that's more reliant on the, on the two eights. Uh, again, they need talent and creativity, but maybe not uh, top top shelf Silva and De Bruyne, but but uh, players from midfield who are making things happen. If it's not one player, it's from a combination of players in midfield, a more progressive V-shaped three. So I think the two things are related, but we don't have any of those players, really. We, If you built a midfield three with our guys at the moment um, to form a V, Sabias would be one of them for me, but I don't know who the other is. And, and even he's kind of a quirky version of that, and he doesn't like to get in the box. So... Um, and we're a long way off having the second coming of uh, Bergkamp, uh, Mesut Ozil. So, uh, you know, is the player out there, would they want to come to Arsenal? Um, I suspect we're not going to get the, the second coming. So it's going to have to be a little bit more getting very good players playing in a good system. Um, so a couple of eights or a, re- a really good Aaron Ramsey type who can... Uh, be a generalist in our midfield and play with a variety of, of formations. Mm. Um, it, it's it's always the area I come back to when we worry about attack, defense, and midfield. It still continues to be about midfield for me. And we have, I mean, I, I think all our 
you know, I like Terrera as a player. I think he's a very good player. I think Chak is a very good player. Uh, I really like Ceballos. Um, we have some decent midfielders, but we have a terrible midfield. Um, <laughs> I don't uh, think you know. I don't think I was we have hoping midfielders. Would be that that magic piece that connects to everybody, and I guess we tried it on Terrera uh, uh, when uh, two two nights ago, and it mm. didn't work. I look. I, I think we have a midfield that is that is filled with decent players. And I just yeah. don't, you know, I, I think the problem also is their liabilities, right? Like, you can very clearly see what Shaka's liabilities are, very clearly see what Torreira's liabilities are. And you say, like, all right, like, Torreira, he's not a great progressive passer. Um, and so then you ask, is he, can he cover enough ground? Is he defensively dominant enough to make up for his sort of lack of ball progression? And, you know, I think you even look at a Conte at Chelsea, and Chelsea have kind of moved away from how they used to use Conte. They you know, they have Jorginho at the base. They they have more ball progression. They have players that can can get it up the pitch. I don't know that Torreira is dominant enough defensively to overcome what I'd say his shortcomings are. And as you know, I feel the same way about Granite Shaka in terms of his small space play and his his elusiveness and mobility. Um but I still think we do need to be playing a midfield three. I, I mean Paul, in this game we you know we registered seven shots none on target some of that i think is down to a very weird front three and and hit the bloody post <laughs> i just i'm not i i'm not questioning your stats uh, okay. but i'm questioning can, can I, stats can i stop you cuz that that feels unnecessarily post. pedantic like um <laughs> do you feel we created enough chances in this game against the second worst defense in the league no no we did we weren't dynamic no. in this i mean and this I wasn't know. one of those games paul where you can even say like oh we had a lot of dangerous moves that didn't lead to shots this was no. just this was anemic i mean so to get into the top four Useless. you really have to you really have to batter the yeah. you really have to batter the bottom 15 right i mean yep. um so i mean is there do, i i feel that like replacing mesedozo with someone who gets between the lines more and creates final third chances is is a, a thing we should be looking at. I mean, Grealish was doing some of that, to be fair, against us. You know, when you look at someone like Grealish, can you can you see that being this? I mean, we're not going to get Grealish, but like, what what kind of profile of player do you, would you have on your the top of your wish list to make games like this easier for us? So, I mean, we got Pepe, and he could have done a lot in this game, and you're always banging on about him, uh, the parallels with what Ozil can deliver from his area of the pitch. And I think that's right. Um, you know, and we didn't have him on the pitch. And we did have Saka here. And we could have got a bit more from from him in this game. And I'm not blaming the kid. I'm, I'm blaming how we used him and the players around him. I, I think really midfield was kind of toothless in this whole game. Um, that was, He was on kind of Torreira's side for a lot of it in terms of the touch map. Um, and, you know, w w what kind of player, it, it, it doesn't even feel like one player was going to do it, because who would you match him with? Sabias is the deeper uh, player, and, you know, th that's why I come back to a three-man midfield. You you got so far to go to fix that midfield by plopping one player in there. I mean, can I Can maybe, I throw a, a suggestion at you and just see what you think, yeah. since, since we're getting there it seems like anyway um yeah. what about a midfield i mean if all you could do is use the parts we have i mean what if you stick Terrera or shaka i guess at the base and let sabios and saka work as sort of like eights 
where Ceballos can shuttle a little bit, you know, between a deeper and more advanced yes. position and Saka can, can float around a f- more of a free roll in behind the front, th- the front three. And, and, you know, you, you ha- I mean, I realize you're asking Saka to do some stuff he hasn't proven he could do yet, but do you like the profile of that midfield? I do. I think, I think it doesn't have a lot, a lot of size and, uh, it has some mobility, but it doesn't have the size and mobility you might be looking for. And I think if you're adding one more player, if you added, uh, I don't, I'm not drawn to Thomas Part Party because I think it's the wrong age profile to be shopping in. But a 23, 24 year old Thomas Party uh, uh, added to the mix starts giving you interesting options. I do like. Uh, Saka, the idea of Saka in midfield, but I suspect we're always going to find he's ju- he's always going to look better from that kind of left-sided drifting into midfield as maybe the fourth midfielder uh, to create uh, uh, options. So I kind of think we're going to need that third midfielder. But yeah, two up and down eights with Sabias being one of them, but you're going to need somebody. The other one's got to have to be uh, comfortable getting to the box, which is why I kind of like your Saka picks pick because you can see the difference between the two guys when they get near the the penalty box. Saka wants to drift in there and cause all sorts of problems, um, and Sabias wants to speed up the play and uh, and lay it off to somebody in a better position. Um, we need somebody who'll do an Aaron Ramsey and get into the bloody box and one twos and triangles and shake things up, get us into zone fourteen. And that that's it's not Sabias's area that zone zone fourteen. Uh, he wants to be to the right or to the left of it, creating angles and triangles or or pulling strings from deeper. Um, and he's not truly a, a, a string puller. He's more the guy who'll uh, take the ball and 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 accelerate the play uh, by feeding it to somebody further up the midfield. So um, we're I th- don't think we have. If Saka panned out, yes, but I suspect he's not. We're going to find out he's not truly the midfielder we were projecting onto him. I think he's a wide player, kind of like the Samir Nazri or Kazorla over that side, making stuff happen, happening, getting into the box, creating, assisting, scoring a few goals, causing havoc, being creative, uh, the joker in the deck. Scott, thoughts? I didn't hear the question, so I sorry yeah, I stepped great. away. You didn't do the homework. Um, I mean, it, if you are Arteta and you have to um, you have to build a functioning of a system with the players you've currently got. Let's say, and I know this is far fetched, that we didn't have a lot of resources um, to to spend this summer. I I, I know b- bizarre, not possible, but just imagine that for a second. It doesn't sound like Arsenal at um, all. Could could you construct a system, or is there a system you, you feel would be a, a way to play against teams like this, the bottom half of the table, um, that that would un- unlock a little more dominance and attack and possession? What I threw at, at Paul was an idea of something like a three-man midfield with Terrera at the base, Saka as an eight, and Ceballos as sort of an eight, you know, shuttling, or or that's maybe it's Shaka instead of Torreira. But I mean, do you do you have a feel for a system that might be able to make a game like this a little less uh, claw your eyes out, can't watch it, pour pour acid in your eyes, kind of kind of viewing? Yeah, I mean, 
I think you do need to go with more of a, you know, a back four with, you know, maybe three in midfield. That's probably the best way. If you're going to dominate possession, you'll probably want to reallocate from a, a player who is deeper to a guy who's going to be in the attacking third. Um, the only problem is looking at the current Arsenal roster. Um, it's it's really hard to figure out where players should go because we don't really have a, a well-thought-out, well-put-together team. Um, you know, we have, you know, Aubameyang, we have Lacazette, and, you know, we really only have one striker position. Um, I think Aubameyang's actually been pretty good over there on the left, but then that takes away Saka's good position where he's been best on the left. Uh, you know, you have Martinelli, who is injured right now, and, you know, he's another guy that would be good on the left. Uh, it's yeah. So I guess you think I, yeah. Saka could be that midfielder on the left. I guess that was one of. I mean, it's if you play more kind of like a four-four-two, I think he could be that kind of thing. I don't think he's a traditional like eight kind of a player. I think mm. he's a player that you know is a little bit wider out. I think he's been okay when he's been asked to play in the position, but I don't think it necessarily gives him the best of what he's going to do. I think you want to be able to free him to play more aggressive. And if you ask him to play, you know, you don't necessarily want that aggressive high risk play from your midfielders. Um, you don't want him to see him, you know, taking on players, especially with our back line where, you know, a turnover can turn into a counterattack quickly. So I think I like him, you know, a little bit wider out where, you know, those kinds of if you those things don't come off, they're not quite as bad for you to be able to be counterattacked to death. Um, you know, maybe, you know, Ainsley Mate Niles is one of those issues. I think he's actually been pretty good since he's come back into the team. Um, never really quite understood why he was out of the team. Maybe there was other things that weren't really necessarily um, not football related um, to, to go with it. So I think he might be a guy that could work well there. I think he's probably a, to me, he's a better option than Joe Willick. I think he's a, a better passer. Um, I think his athleticism is as good, if not better than a Joe Willick. Um, I think he just adds a little bit more to that. So I wouldn't mind seeing him get a, a few more minutes if we're going to look for a third midfielder kind of an option. That's kind of my thoughts right now. Basically, Arsenal don't have a, a well put together team, so it's hard to do it. But you got to try to reallocate resources more forward if we want to be able to be a, a sustained possession team that can can great chances outside of, you know, a moment of magic from one of our really good players. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, we played great against Leicester, at least for a while. Then we got down, sent down to 10 men and the game changed. But we played great. I thought we were the better team against Spurs. I thought we got a creditable result against Liverpool. Not much and else And I think you that. could say the same and, thing against Wolves, too. I think we yep. were the better team. Yeah, and, well. Um, but I think both of those things, you know, really, you know, same with Leicester, those go into we weren't asked to dominate this the is ball. What, this is where I was going. You're stealing my thunder here. Um, and we, I, I thought we were good against City. We were value for the win. Those games, though, unfortunately, I mean, look, the, the truth is the Premier League is changing and there's more games now like that. So maybe that does have value. But the easiest path is kill Brighton, Norwich, Villa, Watford, you know, beat up Newcastle. Well, Newcastle, we'll see what happens with them. But so, so you know, I, I think, Paul, the, the issue becomes I understand why Arteta has gotten us playing the way he's he's gotten us playing. And. You know, I, I'm certainly not drawing any conclusions yet, but I, I think the mission next season is going to be quite different. And I'll be curious to see if he takes a different approach um, in, in trying to get there. I don't think Arsenal fans are going to have a lot of patience for a project that sees us struggle to break down, dominate, and create chances against the really, really bad teams in the league. I mean, if you had to guess what could lead to fans losing patience with Arteta, as great as the big games have been, 
insipid, toothless attacking performances against small sides. I mean, our Arsenal fans have kind of been spoiled. And granted, this is a cliche now because it has it's been a while, but there is a sort of expectation of some pretty attacking football, right? And so I think he and he's hamstrung with some of the talent. Again, I get that, but that's that's the mission for next season, right, Paul? He, he's he's shown yeah. some tactical news. He's he's made us a little more solid. He's shown that he can set us up against big teams to to not just you know hold them at bay, but but play equal to them or better than them. The next step is is building an attack, and we'll we'll have to see if he can do that. Yeah, it'll be disappointing, uh, incredibly frustrating, and demoralizing for the fans if this is effectively like the third season we start off with some level of excitement and hope, whatever happens during <clears throat> this window here, but we will. We'll start off trying to play progressive football, and if within 10 games we've fallen back to some version of three at the back just to maintain control... That's going to be one tough season for Arteta next year because he'll just be tarnished with the uh, couldn't move the needle um, label at that point. So he's really got to make sure he has the options. I mean, he did show some teeth with the hinting around the fact that we needed to go reasonably big in the market to change things. And then, of course, he had to he he. He threw that grenade and then said, no, 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 we're all on the same page, as you would expect him to do. But it was obviously a message to the fans and to the board that uh, we need to stir the pot here and make some changes. So I sus- strongly suspect he knows um, he's got, he needs some new options to start to play the football. He's hinted he wants to talk about it. He says He's basically said this is a Band-Aid. This is just to maintain control. We're at where we're at. We need to maintain some level of control in our game or he'll lose the dressing room and and we'll lose the plot. Um, so he's playing a contained level of football, which we've seen the, the downside of, which is we struggle. We look toothless against weaker teams who give us the ball and, and say, show us what you can do, Arsenal. Turns out not very much. And uh, on the other hand, we've <clears throat> the, the togetherness of the team, the, the following the plan, the assignment of roles is paid off against bigger teams or tougher teams like Wolves and Leicester. Um, but it's like it doesn't join in the middle. It's like a barbell. We're either uh, look useless and weak or redoubtable, organized, and deadly on the counter, and we don't have anything in the middle. And, you know, that's that's almost determined, that's basically determined by who we're playing um, and the style of football they play in some ways more than how good they are. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he. I think he knows, I mean, he's got to know. He's too, he's too clever. He spent too much time strategizing against all of these teams he's playing with his mind and with Pep Guardiola's mind. So he knows what the problem is. Um, We as fans should do everything we can to give him the backing to make sure that the ownership uh, feels the pressure pressure to invest, but also knows that the fan base is behind Arteta. So he's the guy, you know, they don't want to keep having cycling new managers in here who are going to need to make changes and have new budgets. This is the guy. He's the guy on the spot. We back him, we support him, we believe him, regardless, because the, the alternatives are much, much uglier. And and the message comes true to the crankies that they need to invest and that the fans believe in Arteta 
to make that investment. So mm. let's go for it. Um, you know, I, I have to say too, sometimes soft factors are overplayed. I felt that this lineup was very much a what-the-heck lineup, that the performance was very much a what-the-heck performance. Villa are fighting off rele- relegation and seem to have yeah. potentially done it. We were fighting for seemingly nothing. I think that came across in the performance and the lineup. I think Arteta was a little guilty of being like, man, let's try this. There's no possible way if you got Arteta drunk and asked him honestly if he thought that lineup was going to function because it was not a functional lineup. It had no no hope of being effective and it, it played kind of the way you thought it would. Um, Paul, before I let you go, because I know you have a hard stop, and Scott, we're going to just yeah. touch on the FA Cup final, actually, for a second. But uh, did this annoy you? Because I I struggled to care too much, honestly. I mean, I realized <laughs> it cost us a chance to get into the Europa League via the league, potentially finish above Spurs, and for all of those reasons, it should have annoyed me. And yet, much like the players, I struggled to get too exercised by it. Um, it deeply, deeply upset me. I don't know if, I'm not even sure annoyed is the right word. I'm like, the the two games, uh, I maybe have a fonder a reminiscence of the Liverpool game than it deserved. But, um, you know, those two games in a row setting you up for thinking, hang on, we're starting to turn the corner. And then it like, like they just shit on your foot. Um, I just, I wasn't ready for this. I mean, I'm ready for the fact that uh, unpredictable things happen in football games. It's a low-scoring sport. Anything could happen. But it was just such an abject performance that, no, I wasn't wasn't really ready for this. This was a punch in the stomach. I was starting starting to believe again. And uh, this, you know, the only upside of all of this is it's... um, It's... uh, reality check as we head into both this fine FA Cup final. So that should remind us just of the challenge and the team just of the challenge that they're going to have to dig extremely deep against uh, this Chelsea team. And then uh, a good a good check and reality check for everybody going into this window. Players, um, the squad if they have any concerns about whether we should want to strengthen the players around them or even their position, the manager stiffen his spine going into things and the ownership to understand the worst place to be is this kind of no man's land of, of like a little bit good, but nowhere near good enough. We'll just get crushed as roadkill if we don't move forward. So the upside is it's a clear message to everybody to get on the same page and make the changes required to move forward. Yeah, I, I would say this. I think the one downside of this result, apart from like not being able to finish in the Europa League places via the league also, is you really now have to go do something good against Watford just to kind of you get yourself yeah. lined up to taxi in for the cup final. You don't, you don't, you don't want to meekly yeah. lose to Villa and then lose to Watford and go into the cup final that way. Now, look, momentum isn't real and it doesn't exist. But that doesn't mean you don't want to kind of tune up and see things working on the pitch going into a big game. So, Paul, let's go. I know you got to run. Uh, Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, man. Bye. Right. Thanks, Bye. everybody. All mm-hmm. right, so Paul's, Paul's out of here. But, Scott, let's let's touch on the cup final for a minute just because that's more interesting than what we're discussing, you know? Um, yeah. So, I, I, I hate jinxing shit because I'm Jinxie McJinkerson. But, like, I feel that Chelsea is the better matchup for us. I'm not saying it's an easy game. I'm not saying we're guaranteed to win it. 
I think they're the easier matchup. Do you agree that we got handed the matchup that suits us better? Yeah, I mean, probably. I, I think Manchester United have been playing better as of late. Um, so I think, that, yeah, it's probably the team that I would rather face. Uh, although there is, yeah, the the bad history of, you know, we just played them in a big cup final and got demolished. Um, I do worry about Christian Pulisic, who is, you know, the American savior and looked absolutely amazing um, yesterday against Liverpool. Um, I worry about Olivier Giroud doing something just to spite us and, you know, really actually just to spite you to come through and probably score like a hat trick or some stupid and, you know, then, you know, rip off a shirt and say, Elliot, fuck you. Um, that's basically that's, those, those are my nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Those two things. Well, you happening. know, it's mine, too. <laughs> Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'd rather face Chelsea than Manchester United. Um, I, I think that, you know, kind of thinking about how Arsenal have able to beat some of these bigger teams, I think that the way that they are going to kind of be more of a, a drunken attacking team um, over a, a team that is more solid at the back and say, break us down. Um, I think I'd rather face Chelsea's kind of all out attack versus, you know, Manchester United, who would have been a, a more solid team. Um, and then, you know, they really only attack with, you know, three or four players. Um, so you can't really counterattack them as easily. So, yeah, I guess that's probably the easier matchup, but neither of them is easy. Um, I, you know, I, I think that there's a, a decent chance Arsenal win, but I don't think that Arsenal are the favorites. Mm. I mean, I guess the way I look at it, Scott, is that I think Chelsea probably have a better attack than Manchester United. Yeah, I agree with that. Although Manchester United's best attacking players have only really started to get back in and start clicking, right? Like Bruno Fernandes is a late addition. Pogba's back. Um, You know, Martial was out for a while. But what I would suggest is that the way United can attack with pace running in behind maybe worse for us. And I think they are defensively much more sound and against a team like us that struggles to break down defenses, that could be difficult. Whereas Chelsea will push way up the pitch. They'll give you room to run in behind. They like to do this weird man marking that leaves all kinds of space to run into, and Aubameyang can eat that alive. If they start Marcus Alonso, Hector Bellerin is, has kind of made it his personal mission to destroy that guy ever since the elbow to the head, um, although I think they might start Emerson. they oh, I can't believe it's getting closer, but I still think Kepa is the worst keeper compared to, to De Gea, and I think he is a clear liability. I just look at Chelsea and I say... For a team like Arsenal that struggles to create chances, that needs space to run in behind, that needs to be able to do sort of rapid-fire attacks, right? Play it out from the back and then long, long and in behind. I think Chelsea will give you that opportunity maybe a little more than than um, United will. I think Pulisic looks scary, although Lampard seems to like Mount better if Pulisic starts. Do you maybe bring in a Maitland-Niles to, to kind of do the Riyad Mahrez job on him? How do you, how do you, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think that I actually liked Tierney kind of at that left center back. So if we are going to do something, you know, if we're going to stay with this back three, I think I'd like Tierney as that because then, you know, if, if as things, you know, kind of play out, you can always have him be a little bit more aggressive and actually kind of, you know, switch into more of, you know, a traditional, you know, fullback role. Um, and I think he, he does that for Scotland because he's got uh, Andrew Robertson there that is also the left back. So I think that's kind of something that he's used to doing and I don't mind it um I I think Chelsea definitely are there to you know concede goals you know they've given up 54 goals in the Premier League which is pretty crazy um that's you know 
pretty bad. You know, so you think Arsenal are a bad defensive team. We've only given up 46. Um, a lot of that is with Kepa, who is just absolutely, if you get the ball on target, you have a really good chance of scoring a goal. Sadly, we're um, not so a team I, that shoots a lot, but, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, one of the things is Arsenal, even though we haven't been shooting a lot, we've been getting actually a pretty decent amount of shots on target if you, you know, forget Aston Villa, yeah. um, which but I think we should zero. all should. Mm-hmm. I think we should all just, you know, <laughs> put bleach into our brain and forget that one. Done. Um, so yeah, just forget the last you know what thirty five minutes of conversation we've had. Just forget it all. Yeah. Didn't, that didn't happen. I, I have to be um, honest; yeah. I wasn't paying attention to much of it, so that works for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's probably. I wouldn't you know if we're gonna. I, I think Saka as the, the you know the wing back on the left with you know tyranny behind him is probably you know a good way because I think Saka is a a solid enough defender that he's not going to leave that. Um, open, you know, I would like to see Bellerin back on the right because I, you know, don't think Cedric is that great. I mean, I guess he's a fine backup, you know, rotation piece, but not really is, a guy that I would he? ruin a four-year contract. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> That's another issue. Um, well, and look, I, Arsenal aren't in the spot where I'm going to worry so much about their backups. We, I'm we, much more concerned about the first 11. I also kind of like that we get a chance to go at Chelsea in a final one year after, you know, Emery's humiliation in Baku. And like, I, I have to say, I, look, Giroud can hurt us. We saw it just a year ago. But, like, I think Tammy Abraham is the more scary prospect for our defense specifically. So, while I'm not saying Giroud can't hurt us, I think Lampard is maybe going to be prone to play into our hands with players like Mount and and Giroud, and I could live to regret that. But, like, I'd much rather face them than Pulisic and Tammy Abraham. Um, Exactly. Yeah, because that's really has a good deal. You think about our center backs. We have Luis Mustafi. Both of those guys against people that can run and dribble, those seem like penalties waiting to happen or red cards waiting to happen. Against a static target man, I think both of those guys do a lot better because you're not forcing them to go to ground or make decisions that are really quite stupid, which mm. is you know kind of their default mode. So yes, I, I definitely agree that I would rather face a static target man. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, we have some time to get ready for that. For for the Watford game, I mean, there's a, there's a week between them, so rest isn't really an issue. Would you want to see... Arteta take Watford seriously enough to just kind of end on a high, or would you be fine with him completely flushing it and some of these players not having played until you know since from City until Chelsea? How how do you what do you think the right way for him to kind of combine the interests of having them be fresh for the final and you know maybe being sharp for the final? How, how do you balance that? I think I'd want to go with a pretty strong starting lineup. Um, you know, th- we do have the five subs, so you can, you know, kind of take people off at 50, 60 minutes, you know, give people, you know, some game time, you know, kind of practice things that you want to be able to do for the final. And then also, I really want to see Watford relegated because I want to see Troy Deeney really sad. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that we, we need to make sure that that happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think if they beat us, they can stay up. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, let me pull it up here. Yeah, so they are in 18th place. They are tied on points with Aston Villa. Um, they are one you know goal down in the goal differential. So yeah, if they they need to win, I mean, if it and depends on what help, Villa does, and then what Villa it. does. <laughs> so I mean, if, if Villa wins, they have to win by a larger margin than what you know Villa does. Mm. So yeah. Well, it'll they be do, they do control their fate. I th- I think that I'd want some players to have just a, some run out in this game to stay sharp. I wouldn't want them going all the way from the cup semifinal to the cup final without playing. So hopefully, you know, you get some playing time for Pepe and you get some playing time for Ceballos and, um, you know, I'm trying to I, I, Bellerin get out there because I assume he'll start the cup final. Tierney, 
Um, I, you know, I, I mean, yeah, is Mustafi, have you seen an injury update on him? Is he, I, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't risk him if we want to try to get him to be God, able to play the I can't the, believe the we're at a point final. where we're talking about not risking Mustafi so we have him for a cup final. It's unbelievable what's <laughs> happened this season. Look, let's leave it there. We uh, eked 45 minutes out of what was a dreadful game. We hardly talked about it. That's the best we can offer. We gave you a little cup semifinal preview. And if I'm being honest, in case it wasn't clear, my heart really wasn't in this one because... The football's limping to a conclusion from a league standpoint, but we have a cup final, and I'm going to put all of my heart, soul, and energy into hashtag content around that because that's going to be fun. So Nothing nothing bad could ever come with putting all of your hope on a cup final against Chelsea. No, especially against Chelsea. I mean, the the funny thing is, City in the semi, Chelsea in the final. I mean, we've got some previous with that, so hopefully it goes more that way than Chelsea in the final last season. Scott's on Twitter. Oh, and score that. It is the Arsene Wenger Invitational Cup, so it's practically ours already. Names on the cup when the season starts. Uh, Scott's on Twitter. Oh, and score that. Unscore crap. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. We have a pod coming out later today about Patrick Vieira. Uh, it'll be living on Patreon, but it'll be free for everyone to listen to. So uh, certainly something you can grab hold of and enjoy if you want to cast your eye back to better times in the midfield. Uh, and then after that, we will obviously have a preview pod tomorrow for Watford. Somehow an instant reaction pod after Watford for some reason. And then a week of content devoted to transfers and cup finals the way it should be. So we love you, and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Watford, no. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.